Hello listeners, Fahad Ahmed here. We originally spoke with our guests today right before COVID-19 changed everything about how the world does business. She graciously allowed us a follow-up about the nature of prestige retail marketing, the future of brick and mortar, and her team's unwavering commitment to purpose and mission for customers and employees alike. And intriguingly, she talks about the importance of having a creative in the C-suite. Vasiliki Petro is Executive Vice President and Group CEO at Unilever Prestige. She is also importantly a Columbia Business School graduate in the class of 1993. Here's Vasiliki. Vasiliki Petro, thank you so much for doing this again. Thank you so much. So look forward to this. I know COVID happened in between the time we last talked, but uh, it's exciting at least to reconnect together. So much has changed in the world since we last spoke in November of 2019. And I wanted to kind of get your take on what's going on in the world as it relates to Unilever Prestige, but also get your thoughts on what the future holds for, you know, the retail industry and what advice you can give to our listeners. So my first question to you is Unilever and Unilever Prestige is an incredibly purpose-driven company. And I asked you a year ago about where brands should step up. And you said, I think where it's needed most. My question to you is, how is Unilever getting its brands right now where they're needed most? So thank you for checking in. Indeed, our first priority was really to keep the people safe. From a business point of view, it was pretty easy to figure out early on that pivoting to digital was key to enable to kind of safeguard the business and grow it this year. I'm sure you will have heard various people in the industry talking about how e-commerce and digital has been fundamental in the industry. For us also, it was a mindset change in that uh, we are not longer seeing uh, e-commerce, if you want, as just a transactional space, but definitely as a space where we continue to tell our stories, we share our purpose, our mission, and kind of help uh, consumers with various tools and tips through the pandemic. You mentioned the digital space. What are your predictions for the digital landscape post-COVID? Do you think it will become even stronger? Uh, Absolutely. I definitely think people have changed, right? The way they are shopping, where they're thinking, uh, even their needs uh, have changed. Uh, So uh, definitely uh, digital is going to be the engine of growth for the future, 100%. Do you feel that brick-and-mortar is going to have a place in the post-COVID world? A hundred percent. I'm a big believer, actually, about brick-and-mortar. It it will change, right, in what uh, people want. Uh, First of all, there is always this uh, appetite for more when people go into a restrained environment, and this time it has been a forced restraint because of COVID. That's why we see sometimes the best sales happening at brick and mortar after people have been opening after a lockdown, uh, for example. I've heard the Harrods, Space and K, a lot of stores here in the UK were having massive sales when the brick and mortar actually opened. I think long term, if you take a long term view, uh, definitely brick and mortar will continue to be the place for um, an immersion uh, experience, uh, more human touch, if I can call it that, you know, 
uh, expert advice, the human-to-human connection. A lot of that cannot be replicated by the computer. So there is definitely a place for both, and brick and mortar is here to stay. And I think it's also right for disruption, right? How else can you leverage brick and mortar for theater, advice, human connection, entertainment, experiential, immersive experiences? All of that is going to be very important for the post-COVID world. I want to ask you, from a leadership perspective, can you take us through the conversations you were having and the decisions you were making when COVID first hit? Absolutely. Um, A key part of the thinking and the decision-making process was really to empower our leaders more than ever to make bold decisions quickly. So less, let's say, global um, direction, more kind of uh, local empowerment. I think that was uh, phase one. Um, The world is changing at such a record pace uh, so that uh, I do think we need to rely on the entrepreneurial nature of our leaders and kind of, like I said, empower them to take uh, risks uh, that maybe in normal circumstances they would not take into that extent. So in a way, what I've always kind of lobbied is happening, which was uh, more empowerment, uh, less process, but more a framework and more kinds of hiring strategic leaders who can use common sense and be agile to respond according to the changing environment. I do believe that in the future we'll see more of the not one size fits all approach in everything we do with regard to business. And how are you planning for the near and distant future? A return to normal is still months away, if not years away. Does your planning include contingencies for another 2020? Definitely. I think um, one thing is for sure that uh, long term as a world is probably a thing of the past. I don't believe um, new normal in a way is how we should look at it. Uh, Even with the vaccine situation, uh, as you know, the situation varies. It's a very um, uh, diverse, let's say, picture across geographies in the world. Uh, The key thing is that people have been changing their shopping habits, right? So uh, we need to continue to make sure that uh, our brands and our consumers are kind of making it easy for them to discover each other. Um, Our growth targets for 2021 uh, will need to be much more ambitious given that this year, you know, has had the COVID impact. We were lucky enough at least this year uh, to hold our business uh, uh, where it was in 2019 and and not to have losses. Uh, But um, something that uh, you said, and I think it's a key going forward, is that uh, short term is becoming the new long term, if it makes sense. Vasiliki, when we last spoke, we talked about the state of the beauty luxury industry. And here's what you said. Beauty has always inspired me because it makes a big impact on how people feel. How has your vision of luxury and beauty products changed as a result of COVID? I I definitely think uh, that all of our industry has become even more important post-COVID. Our products uh, don't have only a physical benefit, right? They always uh, have built the confidence 
uh, but with COVID, well-being as well has come into prime importance. Our products make people feel better, lifted, um, and really balanced, you know, mind and body. Uh, wellness has been, uh, as you know, at the forefront uh, of uh, the post-COVID uh, kinds of uh, traumatic experiences that people uh, have um, gone through. Uh, so for the first time, I think we're seeing this new space where beauty, health, wellness, they all converge. And in my opinion, this will only grow stronger as well-being becomes really important uh, and a huge, massive wave for the years ahead of us. How important was you know, making sure your employees at Unilever Prestige, how important was their wellness during the lockdown? It was very important. Uh, my team uh, uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, had to plan uh, for wellness type of sessions. Uh, I know there were uh, weekly, even daily sessions according to what was needed. And also that varies across the world. Uh, California this year was particularly hit, as you know, uh, because there were a lot of natural disasters that happened uh, during COVID as well. A lot of fires. Uh, people were stuck in their apartments because of COVID, but then also they couldn't even breathe because there was a lot of smog and a lot of fire air, you know, um, outside. So. I definitely see, have seen a lot of uh, trying situations and uh, keeping the spirit up, confidence, uh, wellness, again, at the forefront of the business agenda was very important for us. Uh, and there's been cooking lessons, there's been yoga lessons, there's been, uh, you know, uh, confidence sessions. We've done everything that was needed to keep the people's spirit up. and. Uh, I'm one of those people that have lobbied as well internally with the company to have the minimum uh, presence of people um, at the office uh, so that people could get away. Uh, sometimes, again, not one size fits all. If somebody is finding really hard at home, we must prepare the office, obviously, within all the safety uh, protocols, etc., to be a place of um, uh, a, a safety place and a wellness space for the people. And, and that's what we've done successfully and obviously we'll continue to do until the office is finally open. I'm wondering what sort of consideration is being given at a, at a, at a leadership level to the re-entry of employees back to, uh, you know, back to life in person. Absolutely. There is um, a dedicated team from Unilever Corporate, but also within Prestige, uh, we are looking at this very actively, uh, partly because a lot of jobs to be done for us are done uh, in the office, say a lot of work with influencers, or we have R&D lab, uh, our e-commerce teams, uh, content creators, etc., are very much in the office versus out of home. Uh, I don't think there's going to be 100% office or 100% home in the future. Definitely, it's going to be a hybrid, you know, of these two, uh, which percentage will vary, again, according to location, uh, the company, the culture it has, and also how we would shift a little bit uh, the inside um, design, if you want, of the office to accommodate more 
kind of the new needs, you know, post-COVID, more, even more collaboration, more kind of uh, leverage the office for what it's good at, right? The coffee conversation, the human touch kind of aspects of the office and kind of keep the more uh, transactional, if I can call it that, uh, part of the work uh, over Zoom in the future. So then people can, you know, go and do the walks in nature, kind of uh, keep the good things that we've learned uh, during COVID, but obviously not lose the good things that we have uh, pre-COVID in the office. One thing that uh, Fahad is also very important for me is keeping the culture. This is a very big point, especially right. because um, the prestige companies are very much uh, companies of tribes, communities. Sometimes if you're not careful, it's very easy uh, to lose that if you go Zoom 100% for a long period of time. And that's why I'm very keen that we kind of revive the culture, do whatever it takes to keep our advocacy, our spirit, and our fire, you know, intact post-COVID. I wonder, it has the way that Unilever Prestige is creating content been a way that you have kept employees connected to the culture and to the purpose-driven mission of the organization? Absolutely, because you see, purpose and mission, it's our long-term compass, right? Uh, this is what keeps us always centered. I always say sales will come if we are 100% focused that uh, we are a force of good, you know, uh, for the planet, for society, for all uh, the purpose work that every brand kind of uh, champions. I believe consumers are looking for brands to show how their products are helpful to their lives in the current moment and not so much just trying to sell a product. Definitely. We think that purpose is kind of the number one driver, especially for the Gen, the Gen Z, I believe they call it, the kind of the younger yeah. uh, people. Now, for us, purpose has been always in the DNA of the brand. This is something that uh, probably you know Unilever is very big on. It's authentic. Uh, we mean it. We have very hard KPIs about, you know, being um, uh, zero waste, uh, being planet positive, having very aggressive calls, you know, with regard to sustainability. Not easy to do, and sometimes we don't even know how we're going to get there. But we definitely believe that uh, moon uh, shooting, you know, if I can use yeah. this term, is the way to go. And uh, I've, I've seen that work in the past. You know, we were talking aggressive sustainability goals uh, three years ago. Even the suppliers uh, would not have the solutions. But because we moved the industry towards this objective, now suppliers are coming with the solutions because they kind of saw as well that uh, – this is a demand. This is where it's going. Unless they have solutions, they will go out of business. So sometimes I think moon shooting is the right way to push the business and the world to a better place than uh, the one we're currently living in. Well, Vasiliki, so much of moon shooting, at least for me, really comes to creativity and the, the, the need to be thinking with a creative mindset. Yeah, 100% and more. And I believe creativity is part of human genius. Uh, I always say uh, that the creative head needs to have a seat at the board table. If I look across my companies, the best performing ones are the ones where there is a genuine creative vein, a great vision, there is flair, 
Uh, ultimately, people want inspiration. They want to be delighted. They want to be inspired. And really, it's the creative people that uh, can give that uh, vein. Vasilki, creative thinking can be disruptive, especially to the status quo. Is this okay? I think disruption is okay, and it's needed, right? Because uh, the world is changing. Uh, what uh, works, uh, yes, but they will not work today or tomorrow. Uh, it's about being agile, learning uh, all together, but also getting help, expertise, and creative genius to partner for the solutions of the future. I think that's really putting a new model in the post-COVID world, is that making sure that the creative head has a seat at the table. I think that's fantastic. And for the planet, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Fahata, I've just thought that uh, the planet solutions are not there yet. So that is of, uh, you know, climate change, is kind of a key hot topic. So we'll only, uh, we'll only, but creative thinking will be one of the most disruptive forces needed to find solutions to the planetary crisis. And so much of uh, creativity is expressed through marketing, Vasiliki. And I'm wondering what role do brands play in championing and showing, you know, their commitment to social causes you know, such as racial inequality, diversity, climate action? Uh, for us, it's a key um, need, priority, if you want. Uh, every brand has their own purpose and kind of champion uh, that cause. Uh, we've just launched a big diversity um, initiative uh, for, with Unilever, uh, both in terms of diversity of employees, but also diversity in what we showcase in the advertising out there, uh, so that we showcase uh, much more diversity, whether it's people with different abilities, uh, people um, maybe that uh, have what's perceived as a handicap, so that we normalize and we show what life is versus kind of, you know, uh, police everything and show only what uh, mainstream looks like. Uh, I, I think the future is uh, more non-mainstream, you know, more diversity, uh, more uh, heterogeneity versus homogeneity, if it makes sense. And that's the beauty of life, right? This is where we see beauty. Vasiliki, thank you so much for your time again. I'm so glad that we were able to catch up. Thank you, Fahad. Thank you. That's our episode. Many thanks to Vasiliki Petro, class of 1993, for her time. Are you a CBS alum involved in mission-driven marketing? We'd love to hear from you about your experiences. You can email us at bizcast at gsb.columbia.edu or find us on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Columbia underscore biz. Subscribe to BizCast wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.